Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Southampton Way podcast. Apologies for the uh, for the small break that we've had. I've had so much going on. It's been hectic, but we are back. Um, you may notice it's not the normal background. I am away at the moment, but I will be back to the normal um, background uh, next week. So thank you, um, Martin and George, for working around my my time zone difference. It's much, much appreciated. So, uh, yeah, for those watching, you already see who I'm with. But for those listening, I am with football podcaster and broadcaster Martin Sanders and George Reese julian from the Daily Echo. Um, so welcome, chaps. Thank you very much for, for joining us. We've got lots and lots to mull over as there has been the games have come thick and fast. Um, and yeah, we're not short of talking points, are we? Um, so last week, midweek, Tuesday night, we played Ipswich Town. We played the Tractor Boys at home. Um, they've been on fire um, up to that point. And they did continue uh, with that. Kieran McKenna's gotten playing some really, really good football. Um, you know, I thought it was a little bit of a dreary game. Martin, um, what did you what did you make of the of the game overall? Were you a little bit um, disappointed with our showing? Yeah, disappointed with our showing, but I, I expected them to come and be well organised, which is exactly what they were. I've seen loads of them this season. I speak to, I know a few, uh, a few. Uh, a few fans and they were just saying to me that, you know, we've kept momentum going from League One, a bit like what we did when we got that promotion. You just get momentum and they've got momentum. They've, they, they're they just well drilled. They play good football, but they were they were able to absorb us. And a few of their players actually come out. I think it was it was on the on the Daily Echo that I read it that I can't remember one of their midfielders. I can't remember if it's Broadhead. One of them said Wes Burns, it was. It was Wes Burns, yeah. He just, he just basically come out and he, just, he said to me, he knew how we were going to play because of how Russell Martin's sides played last season. Thought we were quite predictable, but we have been quite predictable at times, haven't we? Was that the game that Joe Rebo was thrown into the starting eleven? Yeah, absolutely quite, was, yeah. Quite random. That I just remember seeing the team on paper thinking, Jesus, the midfield. Like, what's the midfield all about? And it is, I just think we're, football games, I think Pep Guardiola's come out and said it, Jurgen Klopp's come out and said it. Football games are one and lost in midfield. And I just looked at the lineups and thought that midfield won't have enough bite in it, and it didn't. No, it certainly didn't. It certainly didn't. Um, yeah, there, there is a flip side to that, I suppose, because it didn't seem to be, it felt like we were, um, the two sixes wasn't quite working, but I wasn't expecting a Rebo to be the other they are the midfielder at all. I'm, I'm with you on that. George, what did you um, what did you make of uh, Aribo's inclusion? And uh, yeah, just the, just the general, our, our general plan, because it didn't quite, whatever we planned didn't quite come off in the end. Well, I don't really know why he's, all the coaches seemingly have seemed to think that Joe Aribo is suitable for the midfield. I think he's much better off further up the pitch. You know, he scored a goal playing as sort of a false nine striker in the Europa League final for Rangers. So he, He's clearly someone who's better further up the field. But at the same time, if he's impressed Russell Martin in training, which is kind of the reasoning Russell Martin gave for why he decided to start him, he obviously does deserve a chance. He hasn't started a game in the league up until that point. And every single player with the amount of games in the championship and how thick and fast they come, they're going to get chances to come in and they're going to get chances to, to try and impress. I didn't think he looked awful there. Obviously, he had that time where he sort of picked up the ball and turned straight into danger. And that could have come... And, and come back to bite Saints even more than it did, even though they obviously still lost that game. But I think, yeah, I think he's just someone who further up the pitch is where we're more likely to see him. But the thing I was most surprised about was was the change of hair. It took me about a couple of minutes to realise who that was with the skinhead. 
Yeah, me too. I think I didn't have that on my bingo card. Um, was showing up to the ground, but um, I thought, yeah, new rebo, new haircut. He's going to show us what he's made of, and I agree with you. I think his his position is is further up the field. Um, when when he first signed for us, um, I believe it was under Ralph, and he was playing him slightly further up, and he just seemed to have much more success. Um, sort of in in that sort of number ten or false nine, where he was. He could pick up the ball and he was really good with with close control. So he'd allow people around him to move and he'd sort of keep hold of it tight. And it, it, in fact, he was sort of almost like a bit of a poacher in it because I think he'd scored against Leeds, our opponent this weekend. Um, that was his first uh, league goal at St Mary's. He was, he was, I believe, was was against Leeds. And he'd sort of, he just seemed to have that ice in his veins that none of our players had at the time. And it's just completely all all, all gone downhill. He's played in about 20 different positions. So... Um, I think it'd be a useful player going into the season, but I did not expect him to be playing against Ipswich, <clears throat> who who just seemed to be seemed to be on fire. Um, Martin, we knew that they were going to come and and come at us. That was that was fairly fairly evident with the sort of football they've been playing um, this season, Ipswich. But were you surprised that um, our not not so much the way Ipswich came at us, but but more our reaction to the way they came at us? Because I think in the first half, the goal scorer um, Amari Hutchinson, I think I counted about three bookable offences he he mm. had. I mean, he, I think in the first two sort of five minutes, he he went and and took Walker Peters' number and completely wiped him out and just said, sort of, you know, I'm, I'm here. And we never seemed to really respond. What what did you make? Did you think that we we sort of cowered down to the physical game they brought to us? The one thing you say about refs, refs in this league are awful, by the way. Some of the refereeing I've seen are just so bad. Yeah, we just looked, uh, we got this bad mentality where we just seem to hide. People just seem to go disappear. And I don't know if he's got one or two that are sulking, are just not very happy. Um, I don't know, it's weird. Like Adams has surprised me, sort of like, since that window slammed shut. He was quite good to start the season, just hasn't really looked massively interested since. And it seems to be like that with a few players. It just seems to be shirking responsibility, which, which, well, they just don't really want the ball, or they just pass the ball backwards. I know the manager's taking a lot of stick, but the the players on the field, Jesus, have got a lot to answer for at the moment. Just like just a reaction, like you say, I thought there'd be a reaction after Sunderland. There wasn't. You thought there'd be a reaction after to you know the the Leicester City game, and there wasn't. And they're just there's some fragile souls within that within that starting 11, that's for sure. But yeah, like you say, the reaction, I'm just really surprised. We knew that Ipswich were going to be good. We knew they were going to come at us. But um, once they got their goal, they'd done what they needed to do. Really. They didn't get tons of chances after that, but they just defend quite well. They're good off the ball, aren't they, Ipswich? You know, something we're really bad at is when we don't have the ball, we don't get organised, we don't get men behind the ball, we don't have shape. They have shape and they look well drilled because that manager's been there for such a period of time. He's obviously got his message across now and they know exactly what they're doing. But I just don't think we're in that position where people know what they're doing off the ball. And that's that was the difference between the two sides. Yeah, it's, it's less than ideal. It is less than ideal. Um, George. I have a question for you. Russell Martin's shape, because Martin mentioned it, um, our shape out of possession um, is mildly terrifying, I would say, at that point. Um, is there, do you feel like 
um, knowing a bit more about the coach than, than we do, considering you, you've seen him for a longer period, do you feel like there is is any chance that um, this improves with time, or is this is this is this an issue on the coaching side, or or is this an issue on the players not quite understanding? Do you think? Well, one thing that I think may have happened is that Russell Martin, without knowing, obviously, but I think Russell Martin may have assumed that Saints players could have maybe picked up his style a little bit quicker than the players did at Swansea because they are players who've come down from the Premier League and they're all all the players they've brought in are definitely capable of being top championship players. So perhaps he's almost jumped the gun a little bit and introduced them at a, a bit of a more advanced stage of that tactical structure. But I think there are elements where in games, if you look at the Middlesbrough game, jumping ahead a little bit, the the structure and defence towards the end of that game, it, at points, Jan Bednarek was sort of defending four-on-one counter-attacks because they were chucking everyone forward. And Russell Martin kind of said after that game that they were doing that because they needed to chase a goal. They needed a draw. And I think late on in games where those chances and the players are kind of pulled all over, over the pitch, we can kind of expect that if they're really going for the draw and they're not kind of going to sit back and accept defeat. But then those sorts of situations where they lose the ball and they're sometimes... It's almost as if the players aren't, not that they're not willing to get back into position, but I think someone like a Kyle Walker-Peters and Ryan Manning, they're not super, super quick in the recovery. Jan Bednarek and whoever's next to him in centre-back, they're not super quick in the recovery. So when they do play so high up the pitch and they do lose the ball, if the opposition team can knock the ball over the top to a super pacey striker, which a lot of teams do have in the championship, it's quite a struggle to get back and to get back in numbers to be able to stop that counter-attack. And sometimes it's enough to just get back quick enough to put the player off. But at the same time, the championship's a good level of football and you can't keep giving chances away because teams, as we've seen, are going to take them. Absolutely. I think if the players didn't respect the championship enough, then they they surely have to now because they've had a real, real um, showing of just how punishable your mistakes are, even at this level. Um, I think it's worth... worth um, Credit in Ipswich because they are a good they are a good side. I think they're going to be there or thereabouts <clears throat> this season because of the, that t- togetherness in the group and out how uh, tenacious they are and and they're or they're well organised and they're a good side. So let's let's leave it at that. I think Ipswich are, are good and we could argue, you know, maybe not taking all three points is a shame. It would have been nice to get one, but it's Ipswich. So all right, we had a huge chance, like you mentioned. Um, we played Borough um, on the Saturday. So you got a great chance a few days later to go and put it right at a team who hadn't picked up a point, let alone even been in the lead uh, in a game this season. Martin, um, were you feeling slightly more confident that we would go to Borough, um, given the lineup with the likes of um, Flynn Downs coming back into the side? Were you also surprised to see the fact that Ryan Manning was dropped against Middlesbrough? What did you make of all that? I quite like the midfield three. When I saw the lineup come out, I quite like the look of the midfield three. I thought Charles needed to needed to go back into midfield. We're crying out for somebody that can get a foot in midfield because the other two are too powder puff. They're not strong enough and they do not dictate games anywhere near good enough. And the side that loses possession easily and, and get caught on counter-attacks, I just don't think Smallbone at times and, and, and Downs are quite physical enough. But Charles will give us that little bit of extra physicality in there. The one that surprised me the most that didn't start Saturday was was a dozy because when he's played on the left, I started the season, he looked really good. He's the one player that creates chances and I, and I, I love seeing him in our side, a dozy. I think he's, I think he's a, a player that's probably one of very few from last year that looks like he's going to kick on this year. He's definitely got potential to, but you know, to see 
a centre back that hasn't got confidence in uh, and Mason Holgate have to go in and play it right back. I was a little bit, mm, do you know what? I thought Mason could potentially come in the side, but I wasn't sure he'd do it there, you know, in a game that was a, a must win. But yeah, Manning to come out. I don't think, did we really need to change left back? I wasn't overly sure that Manning was, was you know, he's not been playing any worse than anyone else. I thought he was a first name on a team sheet, really. I know he's he's just not had a very good start with us. But you could say that for everybody, couldn't you? But I think he's really, you know, this chopping and changing is not ideal. You need to try and settle the side down because obviously we, we really miss Jack Stevens, in my opinion. I think he's just a huge, huge miss in at centre-back for us. I'm, I'm glad that Benderek's fit again, but it's just who you're partnering him with. And Hayward Bellis is new to the system, new to the style. It's going to take a little while to bring him up to speed, but it's no coincidence, is it, that since Jack's not been in the side, we haven't won a game. And obviously, Nathan Teller did tie in with that as well. I know we won the QPR game, but it's probably another subject later on in the podcast. But yeah, I just think chopping and changing the side is not ideal at the moment. But I actually worked at the weekend, so I didn't watch the game. Um, obviously, watched the highlights back. But when I see us go 1-0 down, I was like, um, yeah, 1-0 up. I thought, oh, here we go, 1-0 up. Great chance. But then to to end up losing the game from being from being 1-0 up, I just couldn't. I literally wrecked my whole weekend, ruined my weekend. Probably did yours as well, Josh, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's to, they do that often, don't they? Um, which is a shame. But yeah, um, <clears throat> I agree. I agree. Um, it was strange strange to see Manning drop, but knowing the reasons afterwards are understandable. It was also strange to see Mason Holgate playing right back. Um, so let's, let's touch on, on the two defenders who made the errors right um so george what did you make of it would you say first of all is it harsh on holgate to say that that that, that was all on him do you think that maybe i think it was shay charles but i'm not too sure should have probably passed it back to bazuna and reset um or is that is that down to the lack of that voice in the defense you know martin mentioned we're missing jack stevens i mean it just looks like no one talks to each other or at least not enough um and and uh, just a word from you also on the penalty on um Howard Bellis bringing, that, bringing his man down. I think just on the penalty quickly, they're always going to get given really, aren't they? If the defender's grabbing the striker's shirt, it's always going to get given. Even if the striker's grabbing the defender's shirt in return, the referee's always going to give it to the attacking player because ultimately the defender grabbing the shirt is going to stop a goal rather than the other way around. So I don't think there's too much complaints you can have for that one. Obviously, fans never want to see those given, but it's just perhaps a bit of a naive thing for, for Howard Bellis to do. And he was kind of chasing the game really in the second half, wasn't he? It wasn't his his best performance, but as as Martin's mentioned, he's he's new to the side. He's still super young. I think it's only his third game. He'll get he'll be better than that. He'll hundred percent be better than that. He's already proven he can play in the championship, and it's probably just a case of like you mentioned, he needs someone next to him who's a leader. Russell Martin last week kind of said that they're suffering for not having a leader since Jack Stevens has been out. He's mentioned that some players need almost they need to get more out of some players and to turn them into leaders. They've got quite a quiet squad, and and like you said, sort of with the Holgate one. If he has that voice, someone's sort of telling him, um, someone's going to have shouted man on, but you know what I mean? You need that sort of leadership in there to almost, even after he's made the mistake, I don't feel as though the Saints players are kind of, there's no one in that defence who's going over to him and sort of putting their arm around him and going, right, forget that, let's keep going. There's almost like they make a mistake, their heads go down. I'm not saying that they're a fractured squad, but they are lacking that that player, that captain, who's just going to go to them and go, right, forget that mistake, let's go again, forget the goal. And that's almost going to pick them back up. And they just didn't really have that person to sort of energise them. Even after they scored the goal, Martin said they become really passive. And 
that's probably the best way to describe it. They just sort of lacked that intensity and they sort of sat off and they were ultimately punished by a Middlesbrough side who, although they hadn't won a game, they have got a lot of quality and they could have potentially gone up last season. So, yeah, it's 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 a bit of a confusing one, really. Yeah, that's, that's a good word to describe it. Um, Martin, do you think, um, just touching on, on a few points George made there, do you think that our, we have a side that has a a big deficit in um, responsibility. Do you think players are so hell-bent on not being personally responsible for the for any mistake that they try and sometimes almost play it either too safe or they they sort of don't even, they don't even take responsibility in the matches in trying to organise things between themselves. They'd rather just get on with their own job, which in the end, in turn, is, is detrimental because you're not helping your team. Do you think that we have a... a a lack of responsible players. Yeah, definitely, definitely think we do, and especially when you bring a, great, a young bunch of players together as well. I think it makes it even harder because you bring in the likes of Harwood, Bellis, and he's young, and you know Shay Charles. He's a player that's lost a lot of confidence the last few games. Probably played in a position that he's probably not that comfortable with all the time playing in at centre back. He's young, and I just think there's a it's huge responsibility on some some young faces, but. No, some of the senior players are like Adams. He really does have to start showing a little bit more, really. Um, he obviously doesn't really want to be there. That's pr- pr- pretty clear to, to see. Walker Peters, he's been around the football club a long time. He, sh- he I think he was he showed a bit of leadership at times. I think he was furious with Silamana at one stage at the back end of the game on Saturday for, for not making runs. And there are people that just are going through the motions a bit, I do feel. And, you know, I was a big advocate for keeping Adams, but, I thought we'd get his head down between now and January and give us something, just give us some goals, give us some real effort and endeavour and be a leader because he was prepared to offer him the vice captaincy. So he's, he's clearly a voice in the dressing room. And like Jan Bednarek, you think he'd be a voice in the dressing room. You've got a young goalkeeper. But I don't think the style of play makes it very difficult. When, when he wants to play the style he wants to play, understand that's his philosophy. But when you've got no confidence and you've got young players and everyone's kind of looking to move the ball quickly and don't really want the ball, it makes it really hard to have the ball around your 18-yard box because you're liable to make mistakes. And that's what we're seeing. And from a fan's perspective, you know, they don't want to, they just want to see us on the edge of the 18-yard box of the opposition, not on our own. And that's where all these moans and groans are building, aren't they? Because they has got people shirking responsibility and people don't look confident. And it, it is just a bit of a, a bit of a toxic disaster when it, all this comes together at once and results are going against us. It's just it's making it really, really difficult for everybody. Yeah, it, it just breeds toxicity in the ground and in, in the atmosphere, which is helpful for absolutely nobody. Um, George, just um, to touch on a couple of players that Martin mentioned there, do you think that, I mean, we've seen reports um come from from certain people today and and throughout the week saying that there are three or four players <clears throat> within the group that still can't get their heads around the fact that they're still here um do you think that we're kind of seeing who those players are in the way that they're playing um I'll just put two names in who were quite obvious um and open that, that they that they wanted to leave and that was or that, that they could move on to a bigger club, was, was Suleimana and, and Shea Adams. Um, we kept both of them in the end, but, but well, Shea hasn't been the same player since the window shut, and Campbell Dean's obviously just come back from an injury, but he's just he's been so passive and nonchalant. It's just not the player that we saw last season. Um, 
what do you make on, on first of all those reports and do you think that what we're seeing is is a reflection on that I think first of all I've got no sort of insight into if those players are kind of down in tools I wouldn't want to come out and say that I think they are to be honest because it is kind of tough even as a footballer sometimes we kind of forget that they are people and if someone like Camel Dean or Shea Adams would have thought they were set to go into the Premier League of course that probably means more wages it means for someone like Shea Adams it's a better opportunity for him to get into the Scotland squad which is probably something he's really ambitious to do for the Euros but at the same time you'd expect someone like him who if he has been offered vice captaincy he's going to go out and he's going to score goals but I think in the Championship you're always not going to get them goals every single week you think he's got two assists in the same period of time he's set up the goal for Adam Armstrong, he probably should have scored against Middlesbrough. He tried, tried one from distance over Seni Diang. But I think someone like Camel Dean, I was maybe expecting a little bit more from him when he came back from injury. We all saw those videos on social media where he was sort of tearing the Saints defenders apart. And he's someone who, who's definitely got a lot of quality. There was a lot of hype when he joined. He was sort of touted as the next young Ghanaian player who was going to be a big thing in Europe. And it's kind of not gone that way. And in the games where he's come on, like you said, he has looked a little bit nonchalant. But I don't know if that's perhaps just... He's someone who likes to beat players, of course, isn't he? And sometimes as a winger, when they're coming on and they're trying to beat players and, and they're not doing it and a team's losing, it becomes frustrating and it almost looks a little bit like they're not trying to, to do what they can do. He's, I think when he came on against, I think it was um, Leicester in his first game, he, he beat the fullback a couple of times and then they eventually swapped things around and it, he sort of fizzled out of the game. And I think that's something that maybe he needs to improve, his, his ability to impact a game long-term. I was having a look and I think he's only ever played the most minutes he's played in the season is about 1,500, which for someone as young as he is, you can maybe look towards his age, but he's he's probably someone you, you want in the championship to play a lot of minutes. And if if teams aren't sort of trusting him previously in his career to play a load of minutes, it's it's maybe something that we, we should bear in mind about him being able to impact games. But I think those, those, two, those are two players that hopefully we'll see more from as the season progresses. But at the same time, like you said, if, if they are players who've supposedly want away, then... It's probably quite difficult to be to be all in on something if you if you're carrying that bit of uh, disappointment. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and and like you said, it comes back to the to the person element as well. And I think it's very easy to forget that and think that that footballers are just these privileged robots and they don't have any form of um, emotion or they're not in touch with the outside world, so it doesn't matter. Um, I think that's extremely naive for anyone to think, and I've seen a lot of that. <clears throat> brewing recently on social media so let's let's touch mm. on it then uh martin because it's something that everyone is seeming to feel strongly about one way or the other there's not too many people on the fence mm. at the moment um let's move on to the debate on the coaching stuff um mm. martin in or martin out um what's your what's your take on the whole on the whole situation i think it's like um Football's so fickle, isn't it? Because like when when we started the season, we we started. I know we we looked a little bit open in a few games. We you know we got lucky in a couple of games, but certainly the QPR game. But I think it it really did did fairly well in those first four four or five games. You know, we 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 were well ahead of where we thought we were going to be. I actually like how how he can he conducted himself in the press. I've, I've said on here many times. I think he conducts himself really really well speaks it speaks well um but obviously results having i just think that the way that we've lost certainly the Sunderland game and the Leicester game and the, and the amount of goals we've conceded i just think it caused a lot of damage in those games that the start of play doesn't always help 
when you when you when, when you got a side that doesn't have confidence. But you know, I, I think it's far too early to be calling for a manager's head. Of, All right, he's got to go now. I, I come out of the Leicester game. I thought big questions would be asked of him, rightly so, because of because of the amount of goals they conceded and the manner of the performances that he got from his from his players. But it, it, you know, he dealt with so much in the summer. Now, probably in hindsight, when you look at it, you think the amount of players that were going to come in, go out, it needed a lot of experience to probably deal with that. You know, they talk about Leicester. They brought a man in at Leicester. There's probably, you know, he's not had loads of experience, but he worked worked under Pep um, Maresca. But it was so many egos at this football club at the back end of last season. So many players looking to get out. It just needed a really strong head. And I was always at, will Martin be able to deal it's a big step up from Swansea or MK Dons to deal with this calibre of player and the, the transition you were going to go through. But the club showed a lot of belief in him and they, they, there's a philosophy of football they want to play, whether it's right or wrong, that, that's up for debate. And whether it gets promotion back to the Premier League, you know, again, that's up, to, up for debate. But um, I'm very much like, I think he would have to change tactic if he wants to get results because I don't believe his style of football will get him the results that he wants at this moment in time. Not with the confidence. I think St Mary's is a massive issue. We don't win games there. Look, football fans are fickle, like I said, and people turn up moaning and groaning at passes. You just can't do it. From the fans' perspective, anyone tuning in, just get behind the boys. You know, just give them every single thing. Because Saturday, we will need to be that 12th man. I know it's a cliche, but we need everybody together if we're going to start getting results. Because our season will spiral out of control quickly if we're not careful, but he's got to put a lid on it quickly. He's probably in a really, really tough moment. He will feel the pressure, no doubt, but he has to get a result on Saturday. I know it sounds bad, but he will, when I say result, he need a performance, but he won't want us getting obliterated because if we get obliterated, I worry where it will, it will go. But at this moment in time, I, I'm not one for calling for the manager's head. I think he just has to change what he's doing and get the best out of the group and try and find a way to get a couple of wins, in my opinion, because it's it's tough. We all know it's tough, but that's my kind of take on it. Yeah, he's been quite strong on trying to to grind results while learning, and he did, he managed it for the first few. But um, there's been yeah hiccups, isn't there? Um, George, what's your what's your take on it? And there's a big debate at the moment um, nationally on 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 the whole booing thing. I personally can't stand the the booing, let alone mid game, post game. I'm going to hold my hands up and say I was one to boo on in the at the arse end of the Nathan Jones era, um, but that was purely based on the fact that Nathan Jones said things directly about the supporters and and almost shifted blame onto us. But Russell Martin has done nothing of the sort; does not deserve the sort of torrent abuse I've seen some people giving him at games, um, especially. Um, what's your take on on the fan booing situation? Um, and and what's your take on obviously you said about the the players being being human beings? Do you think that when do you think they take notice of the of the of the sort of the groans when the ball goes sideways and backwards? Do you think that affects the game and the way that they play? I think it's only natural to sort of affect the the way they play. I seem to remember there was a point in the game where they passed the ball backwards to sort of retain possession when they maybe could have gone forwards. But we know with the way that Russell Martin plays, it's more about making sure you, you keep possession and you create a chance that's more likely to, to happen rather than just ping one forward and immediately lose it and then suffer a counter-attack against you. But Will Smallbone received the ball a couple of seconds after the fans were booing the fact they passed the ball back and immediately lost it. 
And that's a situation where he would probably usually touch the ball and play it on. But I reckon the booze probably played on his mind and made, maybe made him rush the decision or just he's probably thinking about stuff like that. And it's only natural for, for players to sort of feel that tenseness in, in the stands because they're going to feel it as well. They want to get the results. There's, there's not players in there who are going to be thinking, oh, let's just go and lose this game because that's just not how, they, how it works. Even if they don't want to be there, as we've sort of touched on, they're not going to want to lose games because that just looks bad on them as professionals. And at the end of the day, they're there to win games. But I don't think that any player really would be able to sort of sit or play in a game and sort of be able to just handle the, the constant boos. And of course, fans are allowed to to boo if they're, they're not happy with what they see. That's part of paying to be able to go to a game and being a fan of a club. And Southampton fans have kind of suffered quite a lot of disappointment over the last year, 18 months or so. And games at St Mary's, as you touched on there, they don't seem to win those games. And it's kind of a sense of even before you go to the game that you, you're almost preparing yourself for a little bit of disappointment. And that can kind of seep in as soon as that first bit of disappointment happens in a game. But I think the fans maybe need to kind of get behind them a little bit more, especially against Leeds, who are a side who've, as we've sort of touched on, they've not lost in their last six league games. They're going to be a really good side. They're going to be up for it. They've just been relegated from the Premier League, just like Southampton. And if Saints do start that game poorly, like they have done in most games this season, the first 10 minutes, they've kind of been under the cosh. If the fans are immediately on their backs, I don't think that's necessarily going to going to play into Southampton's hands. That's just going to play into Leeds' hands. And we could be leaving with a fifth straight defeat and even more disappointment. Absolutely. And I think one one thing I did mention um, on the Saints Way Pod um, Twitter account in the week is fans, if you can, remember who you're directing the booze towards because this group, we shipped out 18 players. We've bought in eight, um, majority on loan. Only two of them are, are, are permanent and one with a view to being permanent, right? You do not this is not the same group. This is this is a completely different group from top to bottom. It's worth remembering that this group did not cause you what you felt last season or the season before. This is a new slate. We're, they're trying to learn something and they are a young group and we will get there. It's a long, long season. There's still 114 points to gain. Just bear that in mind before you decide you want to scream at Russell Martin that he's a wanker and you can't stand him. Calm down, relax, think about that for a minute. There's a long way to go. Um, and the next three points available uh, in that 114, as we've mentioned a few times, is Leeds um, at home. Uh, so it's an early kickoff um, in front of the cameras, which doesn't seem to ever bode well for us. Um, Martin, what what would you like to see? What 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 would please you before the game in terms of lineups? Is there any changes you would have made from the Middlesbrough game to, to the Leeds game? Who would you like to see in that team? I want to see a dozy in the team. Absolutely want to see a dozy. I'd love to see Charlie Alcaraz in the side, to be quite honest, but I don't think there's any danger of us seeing seeing him in the side at the moment. I think he's been pretty clear on a few. He's got a few issues going on, maybe personal, that have been, been brought into the public domain. Maybe not ideal for, for the boy, but... I just thought he was one of our best chances of a promotion back to the Premier League this season. Like I've been calling for Silamana to play, but he's just disappointed me a lot when he's when he's come onto the field to play. So look, I don't see think we'll see masses of changes. I think we'll we'll see Manning come back in at left back. I'd imagine Walker Peters a shift back to right back, um, Harwood Bellis and and Benderek at the back, the midfield three. Do, does Downs and Smallbone work together, Josh? I don't know. I don't know what you feel about it. They're very similar type of players, aren't they? 
Can you put them both in the same side? Um, and then it's how you accommodate Adam Armstrong as well, because he's got the captain's armband at the moment. He seems pretty much undroppable for Martin at the moment, you know, rightly or wrongly. He'd started the season pretty well for us. He's definitely played, but it's what position he plays in and where can you get the best out of him? Um, I just think it'd be interesting to, to see what he does. I just want to see that back four really back to how it would be and then just try and sort out a midfield that's going to stop them playing for us. I, don't, I still don't believe we've got the player to play in central midfield that we actually need at this football club. I still feel we need a uh, Ore Romeo type midfielder in our side, a player that never was never replaced. I know we had Lavia, but somebody that can go in there and just make the tackles you need. Somebody in that midfield, two, three, whatever it is, need to take real responsibility. You know, really start putting tackles in and really start to lead and dictate the game. But whether we've got the personnel and whether Russell was given the personnel, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I, it's a difficult one in, in, in my view. Okay, I like I like it. There's there's a couple of things to pick up on in there. Um, George Martin mentioned, and there is a, there is a a narrative uh, building amongst fans, not so much media, that that Smallbone and Downs are very similar players. Personally, I don't particularly buy into it. I just see people making those comparisons because they're similar in build. They're quite tall and they're quite slim. But when you look at the history of it, Flynn Downs, for Russell Martin especially, played as like a sweeper in front of the centre-backs. Mostly he was like the deepest line midfielder who's a six. And for me, Will Smallbone is is almost a 10. He's, he's, like a, he's, a, he's a progressive number eight for me. He takes the ball forward and he's, he does his better work in, in that final third, sort of putting things together rather than, rather than the other side. Do you think they're too similar? I mean, Martin also mentioned that he thinks that's the best midfield three we've had all season. Would you would you be on board with that? I think the elements you touched on there are quite similar about them, but I think you're also right in saying that Smallbone is far more creative than Flynn Downs is because I think that you touched on it there about that Oriol Romeu type midfielder. I think Downs has some of the potential to do that. He's maybe not as, as big and brooding and he's going to go in and smash tackles and win the ball back and then retain possession, but he is someone who can sort of sit in front of the defence and help guard them and then more importantly for Russell Martin, help sort of build the attacks from there and be someone who can be almost dependable. You know, if you pass into the ball, he's not necessarily going to lose it. But I think Will Smallbone, we kind of saw in the game against Middlesbrough, how he sort of stepped up in the creative side of the game. He sort of created a couple of chances or he made passes that sort of then eventually led to chances. I might be wrong in saying it, but I think it was his pass to Shea Adams, which eventually led to Adam Armstrong's goal. I might be wrong. I might be sort of mixing wires through some of the chances but we saw in that game, sort of them playing next to each other, the differences between them. And I think without having that holding midfielder like a Shea Charles, then maybe they're not two who you kind of want next to each other because with the way that he likes Smallbone to play, he does like him to drop a bit deeper and receive the ball. But with that midfield, we, I think Alfie touched on it when he asked Russell Martin after the game. There were three players who we are all probably thinking are capable of receiving the ball in those dangerous positions, retaining possession, They've got elements of being able to win the ball back as well. They're probably more defensively sound than if you were to chuck a Charlie Alcaraz in there, who's just much better going forward, or even a Stu Armstrong, who's more of a forward player, even an Adam Armstrong, who's shown the intensity off the ball to win the ball back. But he's probably not someone you want to re receive in the ball straight from the defenders when they're potentially going to immediately pinch the ball and cause a counter-attack. So I would quite like to see that midfield again, to be honest. I think it was probably more more of a strong midfield. I think Adam Armstrong's looked all right in midfield, but he probably is more suited to playing further up the pitch. And then it's a case of what's going to happen potentially with, with a Shea Adams. Is he going to drop out of the side because he's he struggled for goals? I don't think Russell Martin would do that. He is 
on paper the be- the best striker. But his first game of the season against Sheffield Wednesday started that one on the bench and sort of maybe had a bit of a kick from that. Came on and scored the winner late on. So potentially something that that could happen. But we're, we're going to see a lot of changes through the season. There's this as you touched on it. There's so many games in the championship and players aren't going to start every single game. So we just need to sort of work out which midfield works best, which attack works best and make the changes from that rather than making three or four changes every single game as, as Russ Martins has kind of had to do so far. Yeah, I think the only fear from a fan's perspective on that is that potentially because of performance so far this season, there's an element of risk that he might be trying to shoehorn certain individuals into that side because others have been so poor in that position. Um, mainly, I'd say he, he wants to get Shea Charles as many minutes as possible. It's probably not worth putting him at centre-back when we've got the likes of Jan Bednarik fit because he is a much better centre-back. Um, but Downs is a... Uh, sorry, but um, Charles is a six. He's he's not really that sort of number eight. And Downs is also a six. So it kind of feels sometimes that maybe we're trying to get two, play, two of the same type of player in and ask one to do something he's slightly less familiar with and hope he gets used to it because they're more reliable players than the others or they're fitter than the others. So it's a bit like, I think I agree with you, one change or or the odd change here and there is going to be more beneficial than the 3-4 each week, definitely. Um, Martin, what's your what's your prediction um, for the game? So obviously Daniel Farker struggled at the beginning of the season, but since the window mm. shut, it seems like they've um, they've really found some form. Yeah, he's a, he's a manager that's been there and done it. He's got a team promoted several times. He can deal with egos. I think he's a good manager. I speak to a couple of Leeds fans and they, they love him. They absolutely love him. He's, I think he's ha- obviously had to deal with like the relegation like Russell's dealt with. And it's it's horrible, isn't it, when you've got players wanting to get out of the football club. But he's got his squad settled. I think they made a very, very good signing in in, in, in the striker, um, Joel Piero, um, Perot, sorry. Joel Perot. I think Perot's a, a brilliant, brilliant signing. Um, he's he's instantly gone in there and, and scored goals for them, and he and he and I think he he will be he'll be deadly for them. You know, no doubt they're probably net against us the weekend. Um, I think with confidence as it is at the moment, our home form at St Mary's, I've predicted us to win all our games, but I, I don't see at this moment in time where whether we can really get a win against a really strong lead side at the moment, a physical side as well. I hope we put in a performance and give the fans something to think. Actually, they've given a bit and it's been a lot closer, but I, I, I see nothing but like a 3-1 defeat. I really do. I know it's really pessimistic and I feel really negative about it at the moment. I just don't see how, if the style is going to change enough or he's got a, got the personnel required to really bully a lead side because they reckon they're fragile at fullback. You know, their two fullbacks are quite fragile. One of their fans told me. So you like to think that we we would we'd have a go, and I think Adozi will be key. And whether he plays Silaman or who he plays on the other flank, Fraser probably just need to have a go at their fullbacks and start running at fullbacks again. It's something we've stopped doing. But I see a really tough game. I I, I just don't see see a win. I know it's bad. Yeah, it's tough. I, I think if if you're talking about running at fullbacks, then then Shea Adams may well be dropped because I, I think our best two are Isidosi and Fraser at just attacking those fullbacks. I, I don't think Adam Armstrong is that type of of winger. And you shoehorn again, talking about shoehorning the two people inside that you need there. Um, Adam Armstrong's going to be there because he's the captain. 
Um, and he's not going to he'll look like he's got egg on, egg on his face if he drops him. So he's not going to do that. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. I quite like us because we do overload in that. We, we push our fullbacks right up and we overload on the wings and we try and work in that way. So if Leeds are weak there, please God, they've seen it. And we do do something like that. Um, George, we, we've been doing this um, on-running thing about the, the the best player of the game. So I'm going to ask you who you think the Saints' is, uh, best player, best performer is going to be. Um, but do you have anything to add on 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 what Martin said about about potential potential banana skins that could come up against Leeds, or or even potential surprises on our side that that we can possibly hope for? I think every single game in the championship. I almost sound like a manager saying this, but every single game in the championship is hard, you know, and they, that you can't. You can kind of go into games wanting a win, but Leeds is probably one of the ones early in the season we would have all circled as a, that's a tough game. And after four games, now we're going into it almost thinking, Christ, they need to win that one because of how things have gone. Middlesbrough was the one maybe of the two that you'd have circled and think, OK, that's the one they're going to win. So I think that kind of creates that. It's going back to the atmosphere we were saying about when all the fans are going to the game, almost wanting and expecting a win to t- turn the form around, that's going to, play into it but I'd like to see him sort of bring Adozi back and I imagine he potentially will he's been quite a fan of Adozi and I think he's he was quite smart in managing his minutes he's still really young he sort of was in and out of the squad last season and the championship's long you need to sort of manage those minutes but I think the fact that Leeds have only haven't conceded in, in four games and Saints in the last four games have looked quite poor in attack really Che Adams has missed a couple of chances it's been Sam Adozi and Adam Armstrong who've got the goals I think that's going to make it even tougher to, to, to beat Leeds and it seems like every single game they're going to concede goals so you're almost already at a disadvantage before you go into it. Yep, totally agree with that. Um, it's, it's almost like we have um, <clears throat> the, the opposition are almost thinking how many today, how many are we going to score? Um, at least that's how it, how it feels because of how open we are defensively. Martin, do you want to predict your um, player of the match? Best of a bad bunch at the minute, really. Yeah, it's hard. Um, I'm going to go Carl Walker Peters. I think he could KWP. be the star man. Mm. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, George, if you was to if you were to pick a name out of the hat for our potential best performer against Leeds, who would you uh, who would you hang your hat on? I'm not trying to sound like a parrot here, but I think it'd be Carl Walker Peters as well. To be honest, last couple of games, ever since ever since I spoke to him, not saying that I've had an influence on him, but ever since the game against Leicester, where I spoke to him after the game, I think that was probably one of his worst performances of the season. Then the game against Ipswich, he caused loads and loads of problems, and ever since then, he's sort of he's kicked on. And I, going back, jumping back quite a lot here, I think the playing Mason Holgate was almost felt like something they'd done to free Carl Walker Peters up a little bit to get him further mm. up the pitch because whenever he's bombed forward it's kind of forced Ryan Manning to to tuck in a little bit more defensively and I think Mason Holgate's someone who's much more suited to doing that Ryan Manning's a lot like Carl Walker-Peters he, he's better up further up the pitch so maybe we might see sort of a a repetition of that either against Leeds or further on in the season but I think Carl Walker-Peters is someone who is definitely a Premier League quality fullback and he'll definitely be wanting to show that after the poor start to the season because he'll be frustrated knowing that he could have potentially moved away but didn't put anything in the press to sort of force that through. He's going to be really disappointed with how his season has started and how Saints' season has started. So I think he's he's someone we can almost depend on putting in a good performance off the back of his last two games. 
Yeah, yeah, no, uh, that's 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 fair. Um, I haven't got uh, Rob, who who um, also comes on to. Uh, I haven't got his prediction just yet. I'll get that off of him very soon. So that'll be on on the Twitter. So keep an eye on that. Um, we travel on Tuesday night. After that, we go to um, Stoke. We we travel up to play the Potters. They're not in the greatest of form at the moment, Martin. They got um, whacked three one by Hull City at home, um, and I believe they've had a they've had a cup game in between them. Um, but I, I haven't really kept too too close an eye on them. But what do you what do you make of that as a match up? Um, fancy our chances on a cold, windy Tuesday evening at Stoke. Yeah, t- tough place to go. Um, they got Bristol City on Saturday. Um, a tough Bristol City side. That won't be an easy game. It's away as well. So depending on how that unfolds, I don't think it's an easy place to go. Is it Stoke? The only kind of memory I have from Stoke is is of. Um, Boric getting lobbed by by Begovic in the in the early part of the game with that where the wind caught the ball and Asmir scored the lo- longest ever I think it's world record longest ever goal scored I think it was Guinness Book of Records yeah. um, that's kind of that's one of my memories from um, from Stoke but I think it'd be a tough game but when you look at where they are in the season you know if, if we're going to challenge for promotion and and be in the playoffs it's a side you ha- it's a game you have to win you ha- you have to go there and win those games on the Tuesday night you know. You look at Leicester, they're going places and grinding out results when they need to. You know, just got to go and get results. And it's it's not it's not going to be easy, but keep things tight and, and nick it. We don't look like a side that's going to keep things tight at the moment, which is a which is a concern. But a lot can happen between now and Tuesday, that's that's for sure. Um, and it all depends on on how we walk out of Saturday, really. I think walk out of Saturday heavily beaten, and I think it puts a huge amount of pressure on the players Tuesday night, but, you know, get, get a performance and something, if a draw or a shock win on Saturday and, and football can change so quickly, you know, we win two on the spin, all of a sudden you go into the international break or the Rotherham game. You're like, Oh, hold on a minute. We're like, we could finish with, with, th- with three decent results. You just, you just never know. Do you? Yeah. September was a, a bitterly disappointing month for you. You genuinely do not know. Football is a very, very funny game. I don't know a great deal about Stoke. It's slightly ignorant of me to not have watched a lot of them um, the last few years. They used to be a really tall and horrible side who just hoofed it long under Tony Poulos all day long. And they'd be a horrible, horrible place to go. Um, I'm not too sure on, on how they play now. And, and as far as I'm aware, Hull aren't the most, like they haven't got the biggest physical presence and their players are quite tricky. Um, in in the final third now, so uh, maybe a, a passing game might might suit us. Um, George, do you do you fancy us a bit a bit more against Stoke than than you do against Leeds at the weekend? I think if you look at the form of both clubs, you've got to sort of look at the Stoke one as the more winnable game of the two. I think touching on sort of how Stoke have done since coming down to the Championship, they've been one of those sides who've struggled for having not got straight back up after relegation, and now they're kind of constantly having to rebuild their squad, sort of offload players on big wages and then players that they've brought in haven't really worked out and then they've had to replace them and constantly starting again. And I think that's something Saints fans maybe have to sort of bear in mind that sometimes it doesn't work out immediately and sometimes you, you can almost go that way and that's not, I'm not hoping that that's something that happens, of course. But yeah, I think the Stoke game is probably one where you're thinking it's more likely to win and that's probably the one, they're probably thinking we need to win both of these. But if you were looking at it, forgetting the previous form and the last last four losses, you'd be saying, right, we need three points from these two next two games. And the Stoke game is the one that they would probably be realistically looking at winning. 
Yeah, yeah. With any luck, we we need we need something from somewhere. Martin, do you want to predict your player of the game against Stoke? You're going to switch it up and go for someone other than Walker Peters. Yeah, I want to go for an attacking player. I still think Adozi can have a really big impact. So I'll go Sam Adozi. Um, I think we'll go there and get a victory. To be honest, I I I just don't see it. There's going to be a win somewhere. I'm going to go with a one nil Saints win, first clean sheet of the season. Wow, that would be quite something. Imagine a clean sheet. Never heard of that. Um, George, nice do you want to? It would be beautiful. But who would your uh, who would your guess for Stoke be? Would you stick with KWP or go someone else? For the sake of going for someone else and making it a little bit more interesting, I'll go for Adam Armstrong purely just because he looks of the two strikers out of him and Sheridan, he looks the more likely to score goals. I think he's on five for the season now and he sort of scores them every other game rather than getting that consistent yeah. run of goals. So if he doesn't score against Leeds, then I'd be uh, betting on him getting one against Stoke. Yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Well, that'll be it for this episode. Hopefully, we can keep it tight in the first five minutes against Leeds and Joel Pirro doesn't stick one in the top corner and remind Russell Martin that he is still a very good striker. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we can get a result um, and we'll we'll be mulling over all of this again next week. Thank you very, very much for listening and watching. Um, if you like this and, and you want to continue, continue watching and continue listening, please, all you have to do is hop over to our YouTube and Spotify in fact, we're on, on most um, podcast providers. But hop over, hit subscribe on any of those, and you'll be notified whenever we upload. Um, if you're interested in anything to do with um, EFL or Saints in general, uh, these guys, Martin and, and, and George, are just are, are top-notch. Um, their handles are on the screen right now, and even if you're listening, they will be in the description. So that's on, I believe, on most of their social medias. Uh, you'll find them on 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 Twitter mainly. But um, yeah, thank you very much, guys, for joining us, and we hope to see you all next week. <laughs>